0: Hi, and welcome to this episode of BIA's Leading Local Insights podcast. I'm John McCoskey, COO of Spectrep, and I'm joined by Mark O'Brien, president and founder of SpectreRep. And this episode's a continuation of the conversation around television data casting that we started earlier this year. So for context, uh, data casting is using broadcast infrastructure to deliver computer content and IP packets. It's not television, it's data services using the same transmission systems as TV. So Mark, Spectra has been around for a long time. Uh, When you started this company 20 years ago, did you have an idea and identify what the key use cases for data casting would be?
1: Well, we did, of course. Uh, that's why we started the company. We saw a huge opportunity. Um, turns out we were wrong. Uh, and, we, and, we, and we've been wrong a few times along the way, but, you know, we're still here. Back then, uh, it, there was iBlast, there was Geocast, there was Uh We're still here because we have been very nimble and flexible in um, – uh, the opportunities that we've pursued. And we've found some real um, uh, good niche opportunities with public safety and a few other things where we did get a lot of traction. And, and that's uh, that's why we're, we're still able to tell this story about data casting.
0: So it sounds like for much of the history of uh, data casting with Spectra, the, the key use case that evolved was was public safety. Um, I got to believe that's changed a lot over the last two decades. What what has changed and, and what, is, what does data casting look like today as compared to what it was 20 years ago?
1: Well, it's still public safety, but it's different for public safety. And we've added in um, public alerting, education, and we see lots of other opportunities, which we'll talk about in a minute here. Uh, Back when we really started focusing on public safety, uh, what we were looking for, let me say it this way, we were looking for places where what we could offer was additive and value plus to what they were doing. Uh, back then, it was before LTE, it was before FirstNet, it was before drones even, uh, and uh, and and even you know using cell phones. So there was a lot of opportunity to provide a new wireless secure pathway for content. And even as FirstNet came along, LTE evolved, LMR evolved, and some of these other uh, 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 ways of communicating for public safety. Data casting is still relevant because it's it's unique. It has unique benefits that those other networks don't have. It doesn't stand alone. It doesn't solve all the problems. It's not two-way, you'll never do voice. But those others aren't one too many Those others don't have typically the coverage that we have. So when we become part of the ecosystem, whether it's for public safety or, or whatever the use case is, that's where we've gotten traction, and that's, uh, I think, why it's really remained relevant.
0: Yeah, I think you raise a good point that particularly in the public safety use cases, you know, redundancy and multimodal capability is key. So it sounds like data casting can fit really well into, as you say, that ecosystem.
1: Well, one of the things that's new in public safety is a concept that started in the military called PACE planning, P-A-C-E, and PACE stands, it's it's an acronym for making sure you have a primary, an alternate, a contingency, and an emergency way of communicating. you got to have four options and most importantly those options need to not have shared codependencies. so you can't say we're going to use this carrier and as primary and then this other one and then another carrier well if they're all in the same cell tower everything goes away in your in your tiered plan when that happens the the nice thing about data casting at least as it relates to public safety is we don't have we don't share the same tower we don't share the same backhaul we don't uh, share the same spectrum we don't share the same generators we we don't share anything really with those other networks. And that is a real advantage, especially for public safety, who's looking for uh, ways that they can rely on infrastructure that's going to work, even if other infrastructure is impacted with congestion, power, um, uh, severe weather, or whatever it might be.
0: Right. Well, so, so I know you've been doing public safety for since really the start of the the company But uh, can you talk a little bit bit about uh, education services using data casting? Because I know COVID uh, kind of changed things and and made data casting a really interesting opportunity.
1: Well, that's a perfect example of how I said, you know, when we thought we started the company, we thought we knew what the opportunity was and we shifted to Uh, public safety. Education is another example of there being an opportunity. And I have to give credit to our public television partners. We work with uh, broadcasters of all stripes, but our public television partners were really committed to finding a way to use their resources and data casting to help kids stuck at home during COVID with no internet. Uh, And in fact, it was a great fit. Uh, we were able to take everything that we had in place for uh, to, to serve public safety and adapt that to uh, have teachers c- be able to get information to their students, just like we would have an EOC getting information to uh, a fireman. Uh, it was a great example of taking something that worked for one use case and with a few tweaks, having it really add value uh, in other use cases. And that's I think one of the big lessons here is uh, there, that, you know, this is, by the way, this all historically has been ATSC one, uh, which has some limitations compared to ATSC three. So I think there's, there's this learning about uh, finding where we, where, not we, where data casting adds value uh, and in specific use cases. And that same thinking carrying forward into ATSC three is going to open up all kinds of new possibilities.
0: Can you tell me about um your latest uh service a, a new use case that Specter up is is identified and working on?
1: Yeah, so we uh we still do public safety we still do education but education is morphing now that covid is over and and uh it's it's less relevant to connect uh teachers to kids that don't have internet at home so we're adapting and changing with those times and and uh, morphing the education offer and then at the same time uh there's this new opportunity of public alerting what better way to distribute uh, an emergency alert message to the public than a one-to-many broadcast? Uh, everyone gets it at exactly the same time. So we're uh, the, the latest thing that we're working on is, again, another adaptation of the same story where we have uh, technology that provides the ability to deliver IP packets, and then it's just a question of, what do you want to put in those IP packets? And uh, we're getting some real traction with public alerting because of the the beneficial nature of of the um, pathway that we ride on, which is this powerful broadcast television one-to-many wireless uh, delivery network.
0: That's great. Well, so you've been doing this data casting for more than 20 years, uh, long before ATSC3. How does ATSC3 change what uh, what you're doing with data casting, and what, what does it offer to broadcasters? Well, the big thing about
1: ATSC-3 is it's natively IP. And so data casting is putting IP packets into ATSC-1 uh, broadcast signals, so that's arguably all IP. Um, but it takes special equipment, it takes special devices, it's, uh, we're kind of shoehorning IP packets into a non-IP delivery network. With ATSC-3, when, when the core system, is all IP it's now uh, natively comparable to any other and, and and interoperable with any other all IP networks so Wi-Fi LTE um, you know the internet uh, uh, I think the one of the big wins that we have with ATSC3 is we can have we can be part of an ecosystem instead of data casting being a unique pathway to devices, we can be part of an ecosystem of IP packets going into devices. So uh, your your tablet, your phone, your car, uh, if it has IP radios in it, uh, with one addition of a tuner chip, we can be part of that uh, ecosystem and infrastructure. Uh, And I think the other thing, I mean, there's so many advantages of ATSC3, and a lot of people focus on uh, mobile, which is great, and that opens up automotive and expanding opportunities for public safety and so on. But besides being IP, I think the other really great advantage of ATSC3 is the the flexibility that broadcasters have to to fine-tune, to dial in, if you will, Uh, more robust reception characteristics. So uh, we've already had uh, examples that we've experienced firsthand where we had some challenging reception because of multipath or uh, uh, signal strength, and literally by just adjusting some parameters on the broadcast side, we were able to fix those problems. I mean, that was theoretically supposed to happen, and it Did And that is huge. So imagine in big cities in uh, between uh, tall buildings in a downtown area, the challenges with reception for ATSC1. And you can, to a very large extent, if not completely, make those go away uh, by adjusting some parameters on the ATSC3 uh, transmit side. Uh, which is enormous, so so we're compatible with other networks being all i p and now some of the reception issues or many or most or all of the reception issues that we've struggled with uh, in the past can be mitigated uh, and that's a very very powerful combination, which opens up possibilities that we're really excited about
0: that's great so so let's uh Let's switch to what this audience is really wondering about. BIA has projected a ten billion, more than ten billion dollar revenue potential for data casting uh, with uh, ATSC3 and Next Gen TV. Yeah. Um you've you've explored a number of uh, use cases that have been sticky and and done well, but how does how does this really bring the revenue into television stations? What use cases, what what growth? you know how do we get to that 10 billion dollar or more potential uh that's been projected yeah well let me start
1: by saying that um the, the broadcast uh business model is more challenging today than it's been in quite some time uh revenue uh must carry um uh a, a lot of uh the programming costs um And uh, so and a lot of people watching um, on um, uh, Internet type uh, devices, a very, very challenging uh, marketplace. One of the things that uh, ATSC3 and, and data casting do, in my opinion, is reopen that door or open up wider that door to new revenue possibilities that don't exist today that uh offset and to your point the 10 billion dollar revenue number exceed uh a lot of the expectations and a lot of the revenue that uh is being traded off and uh so what are those possibilities how do we get to uh 10 billion dollars well if you go back to what i was saying just a few minutes ago if if i were to uh to tell uh uh any big company pick a big company Google, Amazon, Ford, uh, you name it, and say, look, if we were to build you a nationwide network that had um, broad coverage of the entire country, all 50 states and territories, Uh, that was natively one-to-many, that was all IP, that was capable of delivering uh, your proprietary content and with encryption, with targeting, with all the things you can do on other IP networks so that you could monetize content, Um, what would you do with that? And I don't think we've fully answered that question, but we have an inkling. ATSC3 opens up opportunities for automotive uh, how much more cost-effective would it be to send traffic data once to every car on the road as opposed to sending it 10,000 times to 10,000 cars on the, on the road? Uh, precision agriculture, Internet of Things. Imagine if every traffic light could be targeted with a, uh, a message or every Internet of Things device's firmware could be updated uh, with one push of content very efficiently and very cost-effectively not to take away from other networks but to enhance to be part of the ecosystem with these other networks and bring the advantages of one-way one-to-many uh native ip delivery uh for third parties which third parties would pay to uh to be able to uh access and so i think just as i was saying that we had to be creative when, uh, when we heard that schools were shutting down and find a way to uh, adapt to a new opportunity, which uh, turned out to uh, not only solve a huge problem, uh, but be quite lucrative, because there was a lot of grant money that was originally intended to go to the carriers to solve uh, remote internet access, which we fully support and hope continues to happen. But that was a 10-year plan. And we were able to come in and say, in two weeks, we can solve this problem. And at our stations, our partners, were able to tap into those funds. Uh, that weren't that were meant for carriers and use that money to uh, to help solve the problem immediately. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that. And, and I think the short answer, although it's not a, a, the answer you're looking for, is just as we were flexible in the history to see opportunities and jump into them we have to be constantly looking and we are going to find these opportunities uh, with smart cities and internet of things and automotive and other use cases that we're talking about but i really do believe uh that uh when we see an opening and we can push our way through that door it's going to be quite lucrative
0: right well thanks for your insights mark i think we're going to wrap this up uh, Mark and I will be at key industry events, so if you're if you're there, seek us out. Um, or you can reach out to us directly at infospectrep.com at or just spectorup.com for the website. Thanks for joining us. This has been John McCoskey and Mark O'Brien of Spectrep. Tune in for more BIA podcasts where we bring industry insights straight to you. Got an idea of what you'd like us to cover, email us at podcast at BIA.com. Have a great day.